can please be seated. Yeah, we can applaud. That's all good. You can, like more if you want. If you hear someone applauding, you can applaud with them or you can start applause by yourself. Have you ever woke up in the middle of the night and realized that you've forgotten something? Okay. You know, like you're like sleeping comfortably. It's cool. All of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, sakes alive. I forgot. X, Y, Z. A couple months ago, it was in the in-between time, okay? It certainly, it wasn't warm yet outside, but it certainly wasn't cold. Um, and, and it had been a reasonably acceptable night of sleep. And then in this surge of adrenaline, right? And a stupor interrupting neurological thunderstorm. Because that's what it feels like, right? It's just like, <laughs> your brain, you went dead up in ba- I'm just like, the thought, okay? The thought. The thought that I left a candle burning in my office raced through my brain. And then there was this game, right? Really, it's a tug of war, okay? There's two sides in this discussion, like, you idiot, wake up, you left a candle burning in your office. And then the other side of it is like, come on, you're not so stupid that you would leave a candle burning in your office. Okay, and it, and it goes back and forth, right? And it seems like it takes a long time, but really, it's a, it's a short battle. It's really a super, super short tug of war. The deciding factor that night rested, actually it was morning, that deciding factor rested on two simple realities. Number one, I wouldn't be able to quiet my brain until I checked it out. And number two... If the Nisswa Fire Department, some of whom attend Timberwood Church, had to come to Timberwood Church at 3.45 a.m. while I slept, I'd probably have to leave town. I mean, I just, I would probably have to leave town. So I rolled out of bed. Um, It was a a warm bed. It was a cool room. I grabbed enough in the way of clothing as to avoid any sort of uh, misdemeanor citation. You just want to be careful. You don't want to, you don't want a misdemeanor citation from certain members of your church who work for the Crow Wing County Sheriff's Department. You know, if they wondered why there was a 2004 CRV pulling into 23084 State Highway 371. Isaiah, page 580, okay? And, and it's chapter 17. We're just knocking them off. Another one down this week, right? Another one bites the dust. An oracle concerning Damascus. Now, there's a, a familiar theme here, right? And these oracles are really kind of creating this wide, wide, wide view covering all the bases. An oracle concerning Damascus. Page 580, verse 1, chapter 17. An oracle concerning Damascus. Behold, Damascus will cease to be a city and will become a heap of ruins. And the cities of Aurora are deserted. They will be for flocks which lie down, and none will make them afraid. The fortress will disappear from Ephraim and the kingdom from Damascus, and the remnant of Syria will be like the glory of the children of Israel, declares the Lord of hosts. And in that day, the glory of Jacob will be brought low, and the fat of his flesh will grow lean. And it shall be as when the reaper gathers standing grain, and his arm harvests the ears, as one gleans the ears of grain in the valley of Rephaim. Gleaning will be left in it. Gleanings will be left in it, as when an olive tree is beaten. Two or three berries in the top of the highest bough. 
four or five on the branches of a fruit tree, declares the Lord God of Israel. And so it's this picture, right? It's this picture that we've seen again and again and again through the book of Isaiah. It's almost like someone wants us to remember something. Syrium Ephraim, is, is this the northern alliance that the southern kingdom, Judah, is worried about? Yeah, perhaps. What we do know with certainty is that Damascus is a significant player in the ancient Near Eastern world. Okay, So it's not only that it's the capital of Syria, which it is, but, but also that it's, it's, it's a regional power. So it's both a real place and a symbolic reality. If you wanted to get goods from Egypt to Mesopotamia, you went through Damascus. Okay, It was really the only place to cross the desert. To the north of Damascus is Mount, Mount um, Haram and, 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 and the mountainous range made travel very difficult. To the south are these basalt plateaus, which are very difficult to transverse. And so Damascus is this center, this economic reality of great import in the ancient Near Eastern world. And this oracle finds its way into the corpus in a sort of covering all the bases sort of way. Every, every ancient Near Eastern power is talked about in these oracles. Each is found wanting because of their pride, their reliance on their affluence, their overt or covert rejection of God. And and they are real places in their time and period. And more than likely, they are also symbolic, as the prophet is wont to do, disabusing anyone of the notion that there is strength to be found in a national identity. And by implication... Strength to be found in any identity other than the true God. And we're just trying to keep it real, right? Now, I'm not saying that a person shouldn't have pride. Wait, I guess that's exactly what I said last week. So let me rephrase. I'm not saying we shouldn't have a fondness for the land in which we live. Just know just, just know, from the core of my being, national identity is not salvific. Your political inclinations will not get you into heaven. Shocking, right? Text goes on. In that day, a man will look to his maker, and his eyes will look on the Holy One of Israel. He will not look to the altars, the work of his hands, and he will not look on what his fingers have made, either the ashram or the altars of incense. In that day, their strong cities will be like deserted places. So the picture goes very quickly from corporate, global, widespread, okay, to, to this, this, it's almost like this tight, tight shot, okay? The, uh, the panoramic cinematography uh, cinematographer who creates this wide-ranging panoramic shot, and then it cuts down to one person. This one dude, perhaps with a history of success, whatever that might mean, but certainly a history of a, of a, of a myopic focus, a focus on the wrong thing, And finally, in the wake of this economic power going down, he looks at his hands or he looks to the heavens. He gives the heavens more than a passing glance, and he has this moment. Life has got his attention. Everything that is happening around him, 
I mean, the people who used to be healthy and strong, now their, their skin just kind of hangs on them. You know, and fields that used to be prosperous look as though they've been absolutely devastated. Just a little bit of fruit left in them. And he has this moment. And he remembers the Creator. How does life get your attention? What does it take? I mean, what does it take for life to get your attention? Say you're having an interaction with your spouse, and the first few times your spouse comes to you, and they're just pleasant, you know? And their words are real, okay, but the tone is pleasant, right? Hey, we got a problem here. We got to fix this problem. And because the tone is pleasant, you don't do anything. You're like, ah, the tone's pleasant. Who cares? doesn't matter what the words are. It's really not something that needs to be fixed. And then a couple weeks later, okay, it's like, hey, we really got a problem here. And now the tone is amped up a little bit, right? But not really enough, not really enough to move you to action. Because why would you respect your spouse? I mean, seriously, that's crazy talk. Until your spouse is screaming at you, why would you do what they want you to do? And so a few more weeks pass. And now, now we have pain. Now we have anger. And you can hear it in the voice. And you finally decide that it's important enough for you to spend some time. The emotion is real. Perhaps there's tears. And you get to the point where you realize, I got to do something about this like right now. What does it take for life to get your attention? The other morning, we cranked down the boat. Eric and I were in it. We're going to go for a morning ski. It was absolutely beautiful. And, and you could say, wow, look at how great we are. And I said to my friend, dang, this is just awesome. Look at God. How does life get your attention? What does it take? Because that's really what the text is about. Challenging the careful reader to to remember, to not forget. In that day, their strong cities will be like the deserted places of the wooded heights and the hilltops, which they deserted because of the children of Israel. And there will be desolation. Again, this theme the strength of a nation in winter. The, the phrase, anything in winter, a lion in winter, uh, a lion in winter was actually the name of a, of a, a play, a television show, a movie. It, it, it's a picture of something that is very successful, very powerful, but having no successors. And so the picture is, that, is, is one of death, one of ending, okay? A nation in winter in which there's, there's really no plan for after the success is over. There's no successor to the throne. It's this familiar theme, the waxing and waning of the world's powers. And as a great a fondness as I have for the land in which I live, please know, please know, life is so temporal especially with how the world defines it. Verse 10, the thought again. Have you, 
for you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Therefore, though you plant pleasant plants and sow the vine branch of a stranger, though you make them grow on the day that you plant them and make them blossom in the morning that you grow, yet the harvest will flee away in a day of grief and incurable pain. The, the poetry, they think, okay, so there was this ancient Near Eastern cult, uh, the cult of Adonis, okay, and, and the idea was a fertility cult, and so they had a way that they could push a very specific plant to, to basically grow, sprout, and flower in a day, and then it, then, then it would die, okay? And, and they were able to contrive this, okay, in such a way that they uh, replicated the, the life cycle of, of plants, of farming, of agriculture in the ancient Eastern world. And, and so they would do this as an act and then incur or invite the favor of the fertility gods. Okay, so this is a practice in the ancient Near Eastern world. And the thought is that's what Isaiah is referring to. Even though you can manipulate, there's really nothing behind it. Even though you can make this flower look beautiful for a few short days. The harvest will flee away. A day of grief, incurable pain. Why? Because they've forgotten God. Doing what I want is not always good. And doing what I have to do is not always bad. For you have forgotten what am I doing with the life that I have been given? Do I remember the Creator? And by remember, it's not like, oh yeah, I knew this kid once, okay? He was this skinny runt, goofy hair, worked in his family business a lot, wasn't very confident, but he could sing and act. It's not that kind of remembering. It's, it's more along the lines of, Remember all the times that we've had sitting at a campfire with friends, laughing and celebrating, realizing that the thing that brought us all to this point was a common interest in following Jesus Christ. It's that kind of remembering. It's remembering with intentionality. It's remembering with the notion that life changes. It's remembering with the notion that I am in a relationship with the God of the universe, and he is moving my life daily to a different place. The other day, my, my orange and yellow super sunfish skiff was hearkening to me. I could hear it whispering. The deck, yellow, spotted with black dots, probably mold. The keel was fractured, okay? Someone, and, and probably because I'm the only one that ever uses it, the someone is probably me, but in a general sense, you can say someone, right? And then you don't have to accept the responsibility. Someone seems to have dropped the boat on some sort of sharp object and broken the keel. And so literally, you can flip it over and put your finger through the keel, which for those of you that aren't into sailing or boating is not a desirable state. In fact, there's a technical term for what happens when you try to sail a boat that has a broken keel. It's called baptism. <laughs> Sinking. Yes. So I looked at it, right? And I don't have much into it. I think I probably have, when I bought it, I probably paid 500 bucks for it. 
I, I could have just walked away. I mean, it's, who cares? It's not that big of a deal. And then I remembered, right? I remembered sailing inches off the water, the wind in control. The only prayer a sailor has is to briefly control, but that's really not the right word. You don't ever really control the wind. You briefly capture it, and even still, that's a bit strong because you really don't capture the wind. You more along the lines of experience the wind. And the wind, uncertainty in its intensity from puff to puff, somewhat recognizable in its direction, right? It, it grabs you. It, it throws you forward. It, at times, it lets you know that you are not in control. And I remembered. I remembered why I like to sail. I not only like sailing for sailing's sake, it's, it's a metaphor for life for me. It's for the love that I share with those that are closest to me. It's for spirituality and for following God. At any rate, this little skiff with a broken keel that had been forgotten by the waterfront, it's almost never too late to remember something that has been forgotten. So I did something I had never done before, right? And, and to be sure, my, my body work, my fiberglass ability, will, will, I, I'll never get hired by Travis at the body shop. It will not happen. But again, it's almost never too late to remember. I did a little research, and I cut out the bad spot. Okay, I have one of those, you know, it's kind of like an electrical jam saw. It's a reciprocating tool, like, you know, and I'd laid out, uh, you know, the, uh, some, some 3M painter's tape and, and cut out the area. I cut out, I cut out the bad spot. I flipped it over, and then I fill it with fiberglass resin and, and, and fiberglass mat, okay, fiberglass fabric, okay. I mixed the resin a little bit wrong, and so it took a super long time to cure, but it cured nonetheless, and then I put it back in. I glued it in place with 3M5200, which if you know the product, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I mean like Jesus Christ, number one, 3M5200, number two. I mean, it is that good. It is absolutely magical stuff. Takes a little while to set up, but once it does, it is incredible. Then two layers of resin and fiberglass cloth and, and some sanding. It's not painted yet. In fact, it might never, ever get painted You flip it over and you can see the problem that was fixed. And I kind of like that because that's my life, right? You can see the problem that was fixed. And then on Friday afternoon, I was was sitting four inches off of Round Lake and experiencing the power of each puff. And I remembered all of the good times and the silent nature of wind power and I'm so glad I didn't forget. Now you see where I'm going, right? It's the fun of being together for so long, right? You know where I'm going before I even go there. I mean, some of us, we... Can I sit on this, Lee? Some of us have just really forgotten what it's like to walk with God. Some of us have forgotten what it's like to to make God a priority in our lives. And sure, we might go through some motions, but, but there's no remembering of all that God has done for us. 
And the text reminds us. Because for the most part, it, it, it's, it's never too late to remember. Until it is. And quite frankly, it, it's better not to forget. So what about you? What about me? What about us? What about this place that's a refuge, that's a sanctuary? How do we live differently in light of what the text challenges us, in light of with which the text challenges us to live? That sentence still didn't make sense in my brain. You get the idea. Please pray with me. Actually, it's not going to be a prayer. It's just, it's just going to be you and me doing business with God. Just remember what God has done in your life. How he's saved you, how he's redeemed you. How he's created the opportunity for good when good should not have happened and how he has enabled bad to be redeemed. Think about the times that he's brought you through tough scrapes. Think about the beautiful mornings where you saw the sunrise and lifted your hands in a blessing for being born again. Remember. Remember how much fun it is to feel the spirit, the ruach, the wind of God blowing Father, we come in the name of Jesus, drawn to this place, drawn to this refuge. Challenge us, Father. For some of us, we need to be encouraged. Some of us, we need to be told, hey, we're doing a great job. You're following me. You're doing a great job. Life is tough, but you're doing a great job. And some of us need a kick in the pants. Do what's necessary for each individual in this space today, Holy Spirit. Be present in a real and powerful way. Allow us to remember and create in us a desire to never forget. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Invite the ushers to come forward.